Hey ladies, I hope you're having a great day so far. So today is the second, is part two of um, the episode that Hannah and I recorded and I'm really hoping you guys like this and it just opens your eyes to some things that maybe you didn't notice before. Um, we go into hospital births and home births and birth center births and free birth and all the different options you have for birth. Um, and I think you're going to love it. So without further ado, here are Hannah and I chatting in part two of her episode. About the hospital birth, birth center and why, why you're not doing that anymore. Cause I think people need to hear this. I mean, I need to hear this too, because obviously I've had three hospital births and you're all trying to tell me how great home birth is. And I would love to have a home birth. I almost had a home birth with Molly. Um, and then I got nervous. So I think mm-hmm. a lot more people are having home births now, which is great. Um, and I do see the benefits of it, but I'm that what if person. So let's, let's talk about it. Ooh. All right. Um, this one's a loaded one. Okay. Um, I should say that I do believe that most to all women should have a mid or have a home birth or mm-hmm. have it as an option. You know, there's some cases where it is, and this is like a strong opinion. This is my personal opinion. You know, right. not everybody's going to have it. Right. Um, it's so great. because, and not all home birth midwives are created equal. Mm-hmm. I have seen ones that have caused just as much trauma as a severe like OB would. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen some that were far too hands-off and careless. Um, so this is why, you know, and it doesn't mean that you have to have this licensed midwife that doesn't create safety. You want a well-educated midwife that is going to love and care for you. Um, mm-hmm. and that, you know, is there and knowledgeable about what you want them to take care of if there's like a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as you have the other option of a free birth, which is, you know, that you have the option of going through care with a midwife or a provider through pregnancy and then birthing at home without a medical provider present. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to say those are absolutely amazing births to witness. That's what I would do now. I had no idea it was an option with any of my kids. Yeah. Um, they didn't know I would do it in a heartbeat mm-hmm. because even with some of the best, you know, midwives or great midwives that I've worked with, um, I've, they've almost caused an interference, like not all of them. I've had some great ones where I'm like, that was amazing. They're incredible midwives. They did exactly what mom wanted. They did exactly what was needed in different scenarios. Um, and then other ones where they just came in with, um, kind of just their own weight and baggage, whether their week was rough or they were tired or they just brought in some things that should not have been brought in. It should have just started as a fresh slate. Um, and then they just come in and they just tell the mom what they're going to do, um, which is never good because they're, you know, we want to come in and we want to support moms. We want to know if they want to listen to baby. They want to, we want to know if they want a cervical check, um, which again, you do not need a cervical check at any point. Um, that tells you pretty much nothing because you could be, you could be two centimeters and have your baby in your arms two hours later, or you could be eight centimeters and have your baby like many, 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 many hours later. Um, so, you know, 
knowing your midwife is, you know, if you're hiring a midwife, that they are educated and that they are going to respect you fully and that, you know, being aware of what their protocols are. Um, free birth, you're taking, you know, and as every birth and every pregnancy, you should be taking radical responsibility. You shouldn't just be passing your responsibilities as a mother off to other people. Um, that's your job, you know, as a mom and it stretches you and grows you in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so not all home birth midwives are created equally. I have a list of ones that I absolutely love. I have a list, you know, of ones that like I have very, you know, strong concerns for, Mm -hmm. um, birth center, um, unfortunately is often a uh, sheep in wolf's clothes or I'm sorry, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. They have the same protocols. Um, any of the local ones are um, very medicalized. They don't understand or trust physiological birth. They don't. I've had run-ins with them. I have had conversations with them or I've had my clients like call me or text me, sharing me with me these terrible things of what they've said or insinuated. Um, They are not trained as traditional midwives. They are there to kind of check things off. That doesn't mean that they don't care. I should reference that. It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that like they obviously do what they're doing because they love women, they love babies and they love birth. Like, however, that doesn't mean that they're trained and trusting of natural physiological birth. Um, and pregnancy. Um, a lot of it, they do, um, they suggest far too many tests when they are not needed, um, which puts you at higher risks just because of a test versus what's actually real. Um, you know, there's a difference between you having concerns and taking it to them and it's following up with blood work or with a, an ultrasound or things like that. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, using modern medicine wisely. I'm talking about the side of things where you are constantly um, influxed with, you know, all of these tests and all of these things that will essentially prepare you for using medication or using um, or doubting your body's ability and such like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So as well as, you know, a lot of my clients do not want cervical checks at all or only if requested and, you know, super minor. Whereas when you walk into birth centers, they, will trust a cervix more than they will trust you. Which again, is just utter nonsense that a woman has to shove her fingers up your vagina in order to approve that you are somewhere in labor. Um, so, you know, that as well as, you know, a lot of people go to birth centers because they're like, oh, well, they're more alternative, they're more homey, they're more X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Um, when in reality, they will suggest um, pharmaceuticals right off the bat. I've had, you know, they'll suggest Tylenol, which is under lawsuits, um, different things like that. And it's like, well, hey, like, let's talk about like alternatives. Let's look at, you know, all of your options and everything that are going to be healthier and safer for you and baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had, you know, birth centers that just don't respect my moms and my families. Um, And I've had them, they risk out very, very quickly. As soon as something, you are not the picture perfect of health um like the perfect picture of health or there's like anything slightly off even if it's a variation of normal Mm -hmm. they will send you to the hospital and the amount of times where i've sat with clients and i've said hey you have the choice to go home this is not a true emergency uh, and talked with them 
unfortunately, you're going to trust a midwife more than you're going to trust your doula, more than likely just because of what's in our guts or not in our guts, what's in our brain of, well, my midwife knows more than my doula or they're trained for this. I have to trust that they know what's more important. Um, And those transfers lead to just such many complications and so many interventions that are traumatic um, that I have seen. And, you know, that's not to say the couple times where it's like, hey, like, there's actually a concern this, you know, that's warranted. It's, you know, I've seen those transfers because of midwives not trusting and not understanding um, things because it goes against their protocol. It goes against what their insurance allows them to do. And it goes against what their medical training tells them. Um, So all of that stuff, plus when you go into the hospital, you have all of that. Plus you have the lawyers from the hospitals that are telling, you know, all of these things. And I've had nurses tell me like, if, even if we don't agree with something, even if we respect and understand a mom's choice, we get in trouble if we don't do X, Y, and Z. So like you have these nurses that are like, even if we agree, whether we, you know, whether we agree and we kiss can't, you know, say that, or we have to still do what we have to do. And we still have to push what we do unless mom is really like knows what she can, cannot say, which is terrible. Manipulation. Um, It kind of goes into this whole thing where the nurses and providers, you know, they may trust and respect you, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to get reprimanded X amount of times for how many patients they allow to say no, or they allow to do this. And that's when you walk in, like if you want a physiological birth, I always say, don't do a cervical check. Don't put an IV in your arm and, you know, do as little intermittent um, monitoring of baby as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's just knowing that doctor. you, and don't even, and don't put the hospital gown on Yeah, <laughs> because um, then you become a patient when you have a needle in your arm. When you have a needle in your arm, when you have a, a gown that somebody could have been, you know, dealing with pneumonia in three days ago, um, you know, and all these things, you become a patient and you're much more willing to hand over your authority to your provider and to your nurses um, versus being like, Hey, like I'm here to utilize your resources if necessary. um, But you are working for me, not because you're above them, but because you're a team and you're a mother and you're a woman who's in labor. So, you know, that, and they, and you are hiring them at the end of the day, you choose that hospital when you're Mm -hmm. having a baby in a hospital, you could choose any hospital you want. You choose that hospital you trust them to take care of you and to make the best decision for you when needed. But when you're in labor, you don't necessarily need a doctor to intervene every hour or every two hours or tell you, yeah, you're, three centimeters, we're going to need to give you Pitocin to speed this along because baby's in distress. But then you're like, well, is baby really in distress? Like what's in distress about? Is it just because I was having a contraction there? Like what, what is really in distress? And I remember the doctor um, or the midwife that came in when we were having Molly, like saying, you know, Uh. (laughs) she, she, she basically said after she threatened that we were going to die, she's like, you know, I have protocols and if the pediatrician, what, what did she, something about the pediatrician doctors, like they're going to push me to give you a C-section if I can't keep the baby monitored. And that's yeah. what I think we were all like, get the heck out of the room. This baby oh, I remember to- having to stand between her and you guys. Yeah. Because like, she, she played the dead mom and dead baby card, yeah. which is super common. Yeah. Don't think that this is like, 
oh, that would never happen to me. If you start refusing things that they can't monitor, because again, legal um, as well, and they don't necessarily trust or understand, but a lot of it comes back to legal. They will say, well, well, then we're going to have to do a C-section. Yeah. I mean, she basically said it was a legal thing when she Mm -hmm. said that the pediatricians require it or whatever she said about the doctors. And we all knew Molly was fine. And Mm -hmm. I could feel her moving. Like, and um, yeah. And then she was like surprised that she was here in three hours after I told her to get the heck out of the room. But yeah, same thing. It's like, just let mom be. And then to be in labor, I remember them trying to keep that stupid monitor on me. And I'm like, she's coming out one way or the other. You monitoring her is doing nothing. Get your hand off my vagina. Like, mm-hmm. mom shouldn't have to be in that position in the hospital. And it's a shame because never it's fine. It really could be a fine experience if they were just there, if they could go there and be left alone and just there if they needed something, you know, if there was an emergency. And that's, but they don't like we've talked between about. legal and payouts and different things like that. There's, it's mm-hmm. so complicated. It's so complicated. And again, that doesn't mean that that OB, that midwife, that nurse is out to get you. No, I didn't think she they're probably to. like, the they're end. probably really nice, caring, loving people. But in these situations, once they don't respect mom, it's out the door. It's not okay. Right. Um, you know, if mom tells you to get your hands off of her, which again, nobody should be touching mom and nobody should be touching the baby except for mom and dad. Like that, that is it. It's such a sacred, beautiful moment. And it's also rushed and pathologized and like just all of these different components into it versus what birth is. And again, like this goes into your birth has such, you know, some people are like, oh, well, your birth experience, like, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, you have to do this. And I've seen even Christian circles where they're like, well, you had the birth that God intended. And I'm like, God intends birth to be a powerful thing. And that doesn't mean that some things happen, but it was never meant to be sabotaged and traumatized. I saw traumatizing online yesterday. It was like, God, Okay, God, like God, something about God will give you a situation, but he doesn't, he's not going to dig the hole for you. Something like that. If that makes yeah. sense. Like he'll, he he'll... allows things because we have a choice. Right. Like we, that's, you know, for better or worse, mankind, humankind, we all have a choice and we have to deal with the consequences of that. Our actions, other people's actions, everything. Right. And but God intends birth, like he created birth to be this powerful, passionate, intimate thing. And when we are medicalizing that, it takes away from what birth can be. And that strongly, strongly, strongly influences postpartum mm-hmm. and your parenting journey. Because when we hand yeah. over our authority of birth as like our, when we are parents, we are given responsibilities. We are given that. And when we hand over that authority and those responsibilities to other people, that goes into our postpartum and our parenting as well. We need to grow in that. We need to take that and we need to, you know, doesn't mean we're manipulating and controlling everything, but we need to know the positive and negative influences of our actions, of our choices and Mm -hmm. dealing with the consequences of those. And that doesn't mean that you could do all the right things and still need medical intervention and Mm -hmm. medical, you know, things because that is a blessing when it is necessary, but we shouldn't have over a third of moms any in a cesarean 
we should not have, oh, I forget the high number majority of moms being induced, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all of these different things that go into it. Um, And with induction or any use of Pitocin, just know that you can tell them to turn off the Pitocin or, you know, if you choose to put Pitocin for any reason, you can tell them that it needs to be turned off. You can tell them that it needs to go down or you can tell them that it does not need to go up anymore or that you can't handle it anymore. If they tell you that, oh, well, you're. (laughs) We're done. We don't have any more Pitocin. This is working. Uh They were not happy, but they did it. But it's like, I've had them come in. They're like, well, you're being induced for a reason like we need to get the baby out and mom conforms and I'm like talking to her and I'm like, you do not need to like, everything's doing what it needs to do. You're utilizing it. Your body's responding well to it. And there's nurses who come in and they turn it up without permission. I've had it. And they do it when I go to the bathroom, like I'll go to the bathroom and I'll come back and the Pitocin's up. Which is why my dad needs to be so trained, not trained, educated too, because to be a mom and have to be worrying about whether the doctor is going to do something or a nurse is going to do something without your consent is so overwhelming in a hospital birth. And you're just there because you just think it's the safest place to have a baby or you're not comfortable having a home birth. And I understand that because that was how I felt. But after learning so much and doing a lot of research on this topic like it i see why people have home births and why so many people are who had traumatic hospital births are converting to having home births now yeah. and having successful beautiful home births yeah and you shouldn't have to have it where your husband has to be a guard dog or you shouldn't feel that like you have to have a doula to advocate for you no because you, you know i'm not there to be a savior like i try and there's things again i won't attend these hospitals because i've seen second i've experienced secondary trauma which again it's not my experience to take on but it is when you're in those intimate spaces that like the secondary trauma that I've seen of like, I can't catch everything. No, you know, they're doing something that I'm trying to talk to mom of like, Hey, like, this is really risky. You know, I don't suggest that you do this and it's not my decision to make. And I shouldn't be like, that's not up to me to say like, Hey, this is what you should do because this is what I should do. But because of the experience, what I'm saying, Hey, don't let them touch your placenta because I've seen them have to then they've had retained placenta, then they have to go in vaginally with their hand to remove it. And it causes hemorrhaging or it causes severe damage to the uterus or it causes um, additional tearing. That is like removing- They don't care. Yes, and it's just, mom doesn't understand when a provider is saying, hey, we need to do this to avoid you hemorrhaging. So we don't have to take you to this OR. So we don't have to do this. And it's like, your placenta, and this is home birth midwives too, force the placenta out too, unnecessarily. And it's like, it's so important to know that you don't want to be in a place that you need somebody to advocate for you or that you need to advocate. And, you know, sometimes home birth versus hospital, people are like, oh, well, it's fear-based. It's also financially based. I've had a lot of moms that are like, I want to do a home birth, but I can't afford it. I've had mamas that, you know, have had that situation. It's like, I did it. I had my babies at a birth center. My one was a transfer. It was horrible um, to a hospital. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, things like that. And because what I didn't, it was financially based because I didn't at the time understand the importance of investing a few thousand dollars in any way that I could get it, whether even if that was like a personal loan or something that we right. could have taken out. I wish I went back and did it. Me I so. wish I did. Me I took the thousands, a few thousand dollars. And I hired a midwife and I stayed home 
Yeah. Because so much would have been different. So much would have been avoided. And like I said earlier, like now, like I would do a free birth. I would probably hire a doula, like, because I have like a few trusted doulas that are educated and encouraging, or I'd have really close friends mm-hmm. that would be that rock for me. Yeah. Um, out, like, and my husband's fantastic, but there were things that like my doula knew to do. Then she'd tell my husband like, Hey, like this is about to happen. Why don't you go do this? And she was phenomenal. Um, and I'm so thankful for her because I'm not an emotional person. But like she was encouraging me while I'm pushing my baby out in just the right way because Diana, my last baby was a large baby and she was in really poor positioning. So like her pushing phase was much, much longer than my previous child who was two minutes. Um, uh, So like she knew she literally was fanning me and just encouraging me and loving me and like praying over me. And I'm like, that's what I needed. Um, so like, I would just, I would just go back, I'd have my doula and I would have my home birth and free birth with my babies and my children and my husband there. And, you know, it would just be so different, but I didn't know those were options. I didn't understand the importance of the investment. And I think you brought up a good point too, about big baby, because I do know somebody in my circle that was just induced a week early. I think I told you guys this a week mm-hmm. early because she had a quote unquote big baby. Her baby was only eight pounds when it was born, but the doctor said she had a big baby and she ended up getting an emergency C-section on a four after having oh. an extremely long labor. And this happened so often. Oh, sweet like, mama. Yeah. And they told me that Liam was going to be a big baby and yeah, he was eight pounds, 14 ounces or something. So he wasn't like six pounds like Molly and Haley, but mm-hmm. I mean, Fine ended up in an emergency C-section for my first baby too. But had I, if I could go back, I would do so many things differently. I would definitely hire a doula. I would definitely um, do more research and turn down certain things that they did to me that I now know is like the exact book of why moms get C-sections. And it mm-hmm. wasn't because we were in distress. Like neither of us were in distress. It was just taking a while. Yeah. Um, and they also will, yeah, well, that's a whole other thing, but like, I just want to point out doulas before we go into big baby doulas are not created equal either. Just as providers are not created equal doulas are not, Well, even there were things that I have done in the past, in years past that I wish I did differently. Cause you know, you're constantly growing. You can't catch everything. You're, you know, all of these things. A lot of doulas are very complicit to the system too. So mm-hmm. just because you hire a doula does not mean that they're mm-hmm. going to tell you contradicting information to the provider. I will up and down tell you, you know, education experience. And a lot of my moms hire me because of my opinion, right. you know, they want somebody who's going to be a good friend that says, Hey, that's like BS or like, okay, well, what are you feeling about that? Like, right. you know, things like that. But a lot of doulas do not do that. So find one that is going to support you, educate you, be a really good friend. Um, and that is going to be completely um, transparent with you. Yeah. That's because, perfect. and bold and bold enough to say something to you, your spouse or your um, provider. Yeah. It's like, I should never have to, but there's been multiple cases where I have cut providers off. I've had to stand between them or I've had to talk to them, you know, because they were being like, Absolutely inappropriate. Like, 
I mean, just the things that I have heard, I've had providers pull me aside because they didn't like how I acted or what I did because I contradicted them. Um, I've had moms, like, there's just been so many things that I'm like, that's nice. And it's a really uncomfortable and scary feeling to be put in, Yeah, but it doesn't matter because that mom's going to carry it for the rest of her life. So I can handle being kicked out of a hospital or I can handle the few minutes of discomfort or, you know, a couple hours of discomfort anytime somebody's in there. Like it doesn't matter, but not all doulas will do that because they don't necessarily know, or they're not confident or they haven't experienced trauma or they don't see the trauma as it is like, you know, different things like that. If they're like, Oh, wow. Like, this is so great. Baby did this. They have such great providers. And I'm like, but so much crap happened that should never have been done because it affects the baby and affects the mom in really, really, really deep ways. Even if it's not noticed, like I've had moms explain their birth stories and they're just like together trauma bonding over these really difficult and intense experiences. And it breaks my heart because I'm like, you should never have had to experience that or your baby should never have had to experience that. And like, it's so heartbreaking and it affects postpartum it affects breastfeeding it affects parenting and just all of these things um and for years like when um i was talking to amanda a few weeks ago um on our maternal mental health episode we were she was saying that like up to five years women like they're trying to get postpartum um approved for up to five years because there's so much that happens after the baby Mm -hmm. from within that five years that moms have to still process and yeah. you can have, we got to get to the core of that. So moms aren't experienced that for five exactly. years. And I can tell you that, like, from my experience and my kids that it, each time I've had, a, each time I've had my babies, it's gotten, it's improved because of, I really think because of certain decisions I've made. And especially I think without having the intervention of the epidural, I think that really helped me with, with Molly, mm-hmm. my mental health. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't tell you that Pitocin and epidurals because you're looking at, you know, some graded pharmaceuticals that are going to your body, how it affects postpartum depression and anxiety and withdrawal for you and baby. Um, that's a whole other level of things. It's so much. There's so much we could talk about, Hannah. I, yeah. There's so much. Um, I'll just do probably, 10 more episodes. <laughs> I'm probably going to break this into two episodes and do the home birth and hospital birth discussion as a separate episode because that part yeah we can definitely do that I mean there's 50 topics we could dig into oh my gosh um before you wrap up do you want to hit the big baby we can we can hit the I have a meeting in 10 minutes for work for work okay so we let me give a two minute spiel (laughs) yeah let's do big baby and then let's um we can do a whole other topic on wait I wanted to ask you we talked about home birth. We talked about, oh, the, like, moms, resources for moms. Do you want to do a mini episode of resources and, like, how moms, um, like, focus points for moms to educate themselves on? Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can wrap up with Big Baby. And then I, I normally ask at the end when I do interviews, like, what's one thing you want to leave moms with today? And then we can say bye. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's talk um, about big babies. <laughs> so big babies. Um, let me preference with the fact that my smallest baby was eight, three. 
my middle, um, so my first was eight three, my um, middle was nine ten, and my um, youngest is ten was ten ten. Um, <laughs> so I didn't have what's considered small babies. Um, I'm five foot four. Um, you know, when not pregnant, I'm like one thirty to one forty five ish pounds. <laughs> so like, I'm not you're a not huge a, person. <laughs> you're not a big person. You're very petite. Um, I'm not very like tall or anything like that. Um, when I had my babies wide like let me say that yeah (laughs) like you're a very petite person um so like going into that like I my body gains anywhere from 55 to 65 pounds with my babies Mm -hmm. it did it with every single one Mm -hmm. um with my first two I lost it really easily my third did not um but it's just what my body needed to do you know when gaining um weight for my babies Mm -hmm. never had gestational diabetes which whole other thing don't do the general test you can decline it do your own blood pricking or drink orange juice like yeah. the other side of gestational diabetes things oh my god um, so many things so my smallest baby eight three mm-hmm. um, was a hospital transfer and they proceeded to do because of an epidural um, mm-hmm. fever spiked which i knew it was related to that but then he had issues which again i wonder if they were actually issues which they did an unconsented episiotomy and forceps. Oh my God. He was my smallest baby. <laughs> there was no reason or need that I should have had those things. Fast forward to my second, he was nine ten. Um, labored really well. I came into like the birth center like two hours before I had him. Um, went to get in the tub, and like I jumped up because, and I'm like, he's coming literally pushed for two minutes like it was 205 to 207 that he was born that's awesome like um from the initial urge to push to after um when he was born he was 207 so two minute pushing my third was 10 10 so she was a big girl Mm -hmm. but also understanding i truly think her pushing would not have been long had she not been in a poor like an ideal position Mm -hmm. um she was posterior meaning she was facing towards my belly mm-hmm. they call it sunny side up her head was cocked to the side towards her shoulder which is a synclitic um when she engaged into my pelvis oh, so no. whether she was small or big i think pushing would have been a little more difficult yeah because it, it just that it, it wasn't her head wider it the- made it yes exactly okay. to engage so she didn't engage in the pelvis where she would have been like really nice to kind of like slide herself down yeah um it kind of like lodged her in different ways oh, now with that i had a longer pushing phase it wasn't terrible i changed positions like seven different ways mm-hmm. um it wasn't like oh this is painful this is terrible there were no complications or anything it just took a little longer um but she was 10, 10. I did not tear at all. Um, and she, they put her on me and my husband's like, she looks like a toddler. Like that was like (laughs) one of the first things that he said. Um, babies, when they are fat and chubby, they're squishy. Mm -hmm. It's not like bones. So like when they say you have a big baby, it's like, you have to, first off, ultrasounds are off all the time. majority of the time. They are also inaccurate for weight because it could be two pounds heavier, two pounds lighter. They, time and time again, I say never, unless you have a medical concern or a medical reason, never get an ultrasound in your third trimester because the they will start fear factoring big baby, small baby, or um, lack of amniotic fluid, all of these things. Mm-hmm. So 
the big baby card is just a fear tactic. Mm -hmm. We need to trust that our bodies are amazing and your baby can be born out of your vagina. Your pelvis moves, your perineum spreads, your body was created for this. Big baby, small baby. The best, it's the safest thing is for them to be in your body majority of the time, Mm -hmm. probably like, probably like 99% of the time they should be in your body until they trigger labor and your body goes into labor on its own. There should not be an induction or cesarean for big babies unless there is a true, true medical concern. Big baby is not one of them. Um, so yeah, that's my spiel on big baby. (laughs) Yeah. I, I am glad that we're, we talked about that because I think a lot of moms are pushed into um, so much into inductions and C-sections because of big baby. And that just goes back to what we talked about before about being taught not to trust our bodies, but that it's so important as mm-hmm. women learning this, that we need to teach our daughters to trust their bodies. And like you just said, your body was meant to do this. It yes. will do this. It's going to be okay. Like you're going to get through it. It's yeah. It's so important yeah. to encourage moms and let them know that. And I think when I was having Haley, I joined a Facebook group, um, which VBAC is a totally other thing, but oh yeah, <laughs> we could talk about of, that too. Yeah. There's a lot of groups out there that will, that have good and bad experiences on birth. And I think it really helped me to look at some of those when I was making these decisions for myself and to realize like, you know, the majority of people have had bad experiences. And when they go to do it again, they have much better experiences because they're educated because they make better decisions for themselves. They're more comfortable, like all the things that we talked about today and they're trusting. Yeah, we just got to catch moms before they're even pregnant. Yes, <laughs> Because like, that is like, we need to be teaching girls and women all of this before. Yeah. So they don't have that really bad first experience. Cause like, that should not be your introduction to motherhood. No, it shouldn't because it's beautiful. And I think a lot of motherhood too, and a lot of becoming a mom and being a mom and being a woman in general is confidence and having that confidence that yes, my body can do this. Yes, I can manage these children today. Yes, I can handle all the things that God puts on my plate and on my shoulders and all the things that I'm putting on my shoulders. And I have mm-hmm. to do that. And I think teaching our daughters and showing them that, you know, that confidence is going to really help them with absolutely all the things we talked about today and just motherhood in general, uh, which is something I admire in you because you also have a lot of confidence in your opinions, your decisions, and um, the way that you are like, you just have so much of it. So it's so, it's so nice to be around women that have that you know, that make you feel like, okay, I'm, I can handle this too. Like, and encourage you to handle things, you know? So Mm -hmm. thank you so much, Anna. This has been awesome. I'm so glad that we finally got to talk on, on the podcast and record it. Yes. This has been, we could probably talk the rest of the day about all this stuff. So we talk about it all the time. So (laughs) yes. Oh my goodness. So, well, thank you so much. Um, is there, before we, before we say official goodbye, um, what is one thing you want to leave moms with today? I would say, especially focused on like pregnancy and birth and immediate postpartum and everything, trust your body, trust how it was created 
and find a support team that will truly support you, not the other way around. Like you not adjusting to them, but them like adjusting to you and trusting that what you need to do. Educate yourself on all things, which like we said, we might do a mini podcast about that, like of all the topics. Yes. But just really trust how your body was created. Your body was created to go through pregnancy. It was created to go through birth. It was created to go through breastfeeding. Yes, there are things that can interfere with that because we don't live in a perfect world. Right. But that trust goes a long way. Yes. You know, God gave us that intuition. So let it flow through your parenting, flow through things. If something doesn't feel right, look into that. Yes. Really just kind of dig into what that is. And motherhood, pregnancy, birth, all of this is supposed to be beautiful. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's hard. Right. Or that it's not hard. It is right. hard. It's beautiful, hard work. And building that confidence and your why and what you want to do is crucial. Yes. I love that, Hannah. Thank you so much again. I hope you guys have a good day. Sure thing. Thank you. All right. I'll talk right. to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If this content resonated with you, please share it on your social media, share it with a friend and let me know what you think. If you tag me on Instagram and give me a review, I will maybe call you out in the next episode. Thank you so much and have an awesome, awesome day, mama.